Well, no, you're. Well, this one's specifically for Hitchcock. For Hitchcock? That was actually pretty easy. I think so. Mine was too. Yeah, the list was easy. It's the top, all the other stuff that I want to talk about. The top five is easy. It's hard what order they go in. Because literally the top five could be rearranged anyway, depending on how I'm feeling that day. Yeah, and I, I don't. I did mine without an order. What I did is I did what I consider tier one, tier two films. Yeah. And uh, my tier one films, I have, I think I have seven. So that would be probably, um, maybe there's eight. Uh, really? Wait, not. tier one and tier two? Yeah. What do you mean? So for me, um, the Hitchcock's career, the early kind of silent films, and then there was that uh, pre-World War II, World War II era. And then there was kind of the golden age, yeah. and then there, then post birds. <coughs> uh, there, there's that era right at the end of his career. Yeah. And, and for me, my favorite, uh, and I'm not saying these are the best films, but my favorite films are that post World War II era. Um, uh, you know, the, the 1950s, uh, late 1940s films. Um, so I like. Uh, some of the earlier ones like Foreign Correspondent and Lifeboat and uh, Suspicion and Notorious and Rebecca and those. Yeah. But uh, outside of Marnie, kind of that era, uh, up until Marnie pretty much. After Marnie. Up until, yeah. Yeah. The films that uh, come out after that, the, the, the mid-60s uh, to his last film in 76, that tenure. Such a run. weird... Stretch. Well, and I have a theory about that. I have a theory about that. Well, are we going to get to that, though? No, we can get to it right one? now if you want to. Yeah, go for it. Okay, so here's here's kind of my theory. So, um, if you look at the world at that point in time, Hitchcock's style and his signature became commercially popular really following World War II. And um, so up until Psycho... The, the types of films that he, he was doing, the dialogue was very subtle. There was innuendo. They were adult films. They were mature. And, and uh, they were um, still a, a lot of that signature uh, things that he had with the blonde, the smart femme fatale, Edith head clothes, clothing, uh, upper crust kind of people, yeah. the great effects and all that sort of stuff. And then in 1960, in, uh, America really started to change. And, and if you look at Psycho, it, it, it's it's the hinge of that change. So Psycho, Psycho, he had he just come off of North by Northwest. He was kind of the height of his power, and he had a studio 100% behind him saying, "Yeah, Hitch, you can do no wrong." Mm-hmm. So he went with his instincts. <coughs> fabulous thing that Hitchcock does is he just has these incredible uh, instincts. And he, and he went, and he just went radically different way. Yeah. And the studio didn't believe in Psycho, and he didn't take a salary for it, and he said, I'll just uh, offer the box office. And obviously the box office was huge. Now, now what uh, Psycho kind of represented is kind of like you see in the film The Last Picture Show. It was the end of the innocence of our culture. Yeah. And it was the end of the innocence of America. We'd come off of World War II, all these uh, people were uh, baby home. boomers, and yeah, they'd come home, and now the baby boomers were starting to become teenagers and stuff. Yeah. And, and you look at Psycho; it was a uh, grittier, more realistic film, dealt with things like adultery. And you look at it; your early protagonist gets killed. But the other thing is, she's embezzling money from her boss. 
and she's having an affair with this guy, and uh, then the innocent person who looks like you think is the victim in this film was actually ends up being the antagonist, the villain, the killer. And so it, it twists and contorts a lot of those uh, Hitchcock kind of themes. And then at that time, um, the, what was seen as the, the violence of the film and the, the shocking part, if you look, go back and watch it, it's more of your imagination of, of what's going on and what they're really showing on screen. So to me, that kind of marked the end of that, that era. And, and now, not only did he start a whole new genre, but he, he changed and rewrote the book on filmmaking going forward. Um, and and he, he did that a little bit more. Uh, you get some of those elements with the birds. But then after that, what happened is every, it, it let the door open and the studio said, okay, we can fund this stuff. Yeah. And uh, it let the door open for lots of film like that. And you start getting films like Five e Easy Pieces. And they start seeing that we need to cater to this baby boom generation of people. And we need to let in the door younger filmmakers who can make that. And Hollywood, off of Psycho, shifted and went in a different direction. And Hitchcock's <coughs> signature, because he was an auteur, and he had this very significant signature, his audience started to dwindle. And there's the theory that filmmakers usually have like a 10 or 15 year period of time where they do their best stuff. And the stuff at the end and the stuff at the beginning is not that great. Yeah. Um, and, and that really probably applies to Hitchcock at this point in time. There are people who love Frenzy and, and uh, fa uh, Family Plot and some of those films. To me, they're just not they're just not the Hitchcock films that I love. I probably love his Golden Age more than anything. I would agree. I would agree. Well, I'm looking at his list right here, and you have such... He has such a... So, from 19... 34. 1922 was his first film. No, yeah, 13. But, but 34 to 50, he makes a film a year. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then from 54 to 58, he makes two films a year. Yeah. Uh, and then you have a film a year, and then after Psycho, it's not three years until he makes The Birds. Do you feel like it was because he's like, I don't know how to top myself now? Well, God, you got to think if you're, if you're, if you make Psycho, he's like, where do I go from here? Well, if you're an artist, it's kind of like your, yeah, how do you opus? And I, and I would imagine that he was getting just tons <clears throat> of scripts and stories all the time that that were similar to that, and it would be number one hard to select something like that, and then it would be it would be hard, yeah, to top that, and everyone's expecting you to top that. But I'm sure he felt the same thing with North by Northwest because that was the biggest commercial yeah. success he had had up, yeah. up until that point. And the studios loved him and everybody loved, loved that. And he went with such a radical departure. I don't know that you can go back and recreate yourself constantly like that. I mean, that's... that's he has probably the greatest <coughs> three film... Like... Thank you. Um... Uh, three years in a row, three films, like after another, Vertigo, North Northwest to Psycho. Yeah. I can't think of a director who's had a better three film streak than that. And if you think about it, Vertigo, Vertigo at the time was a radical departure for yeah, him. yeah. And it was it was a subversive, very different film from anything else he'd done. Because I think before that he'd done To Catch a Thief, 
Uh, no, he, he, he right before it, yeah. he had done Man Who Knew Too Much man and The Wrong Man. Okay, yeah, Wrong Man, okay. Um, so, uh, it, but I think you get a hint of what could be coming with Psycho in Vertigo. Now, to give some historical perspective to Vertigo, Vertigo is now loved, beloved, and seen as one of the greatest films of all time. It wasn't when it came out. It wasn't when it came out, and it, it wasn't until just recently. I, he, yeah. Critics... And, and we're people, still weird with it. Yeah, they, they. Most of my life, uh, the, most of the press around Vertigo is very negative, mm-hmm. and uh, it wasn't accessible. It wasn't re- uh, re-released a lot, like Dial M. It was hard mm-hmm. to be able to see it, it and there were very few people who. I, I think most of them were people like Brian De Palma and M Night Shyamalan and probably Scorsese. Who looked at Vertigo and said masterpiece? Yeah. Uh, uh, most everyone else looked at Vertigo and said ah, it was a swing and a miss. Yeah. Well, so <clears throat> I'm gonna take a second and just give my personal history with Hitchcock because it plays into this. And then I get to give mine. And then you can well, give yours. Yeah. yeah. So, well, growing up, I was obsessed with movies since I was like five years old. You? And yeah. And I don't uh, that. you? Oh, you don't? Yeah, and vaguely. Uh. I remember I got, I was really into Spielberg as a kid, but then I got into Hitchcock when I was in like uh, sixth grade through eighth grade. I, I just wanted to watch. I, and then you and I, it was like over a summer period or, and then into fall, we would go to video stores and we tried, we tried finding every Hitchcock. every Hitchcock movie. We had like 30 of them at one point and I'd seen them all. And I remember Vertigo was one of my last ones I watched and it was my favorite one. Vertigo was my favorite movie. And then a year later it became, uh... Um, Sight and Sound's number one movie of all time and I remember just thinking like oh no now I'm gonna look like a poser because it's my favorite movie yeah. but uh, it's not it's gonna be weird when we break down these lists where they rank I kinda wanna just break down the, the list after you go over the history so we can just start talking about all of it because yeah. I just wanna start diving into the lists but I mean and then after that we can go over similar themes I think it's a good story, but, but what's your personal history? Well, well my, my personal history, it kind of goes back to my dad. So my dad, uh, one, of, one of my favorite foreign films of all time is Cinema uh, Paradiso. Paradiso, yeah. Because uh, in my mind, that's how I kind of see my dad growing up. He didn't grow up in a small Italian town or <laughs> like that where the theater burned down. But, but uh, he grew up in a small Utah town at that time, Brigham City, and he uh, was a projectionist at the local theater. So he saw every film a million times, and um, he would talk to me about John Ford. And always on Saturday afternoon, in particular, there was a we had, he was watching movies. Movies were being played. He'd get up super early in the morning, shocker in our family, <laughs> do all the yard work, and then come in, and there was movies playing. And I remember when we got uh, 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 VCR, and then when we got HBO and Showtime, it was like game on. That's and, awesome. and when we got VCR, he would give me money to go down and pick out movies. That's uh, so I'd, cool. I'd run down the local blockbuster video or family uh, video was the name of it, uh, and pick out movies. He'd come home from work and he'd stop by and always pick out movies. And there were always these films. But so before that, though, when I was probably eight or nine, uh, Hitchcock. He loved Hitchcock, and he had talked to me about Psycho and, and all these films. The first one I saw was North by Northwest. And then I saw Rear Window, Rear Window, because they happened to be on TV. And, and then I uh, started because I was a library nerd, uh, reading about Hitchcock and who this guy was yeah. and all that kind of stuff, and started getting into it. And then um, when I could rent videos, uh, I started renting everything I could. And whenever there was something on TV, I was watching it. And and my friends, uh, 
you know, I became kind of uh, infamous with my friends that... If, if <laughs> don't let you pick the movies. Yeah, don't let me pick the movies because I'm getting something old or something artsy Foreign. Or, or something with subtitles. So they would never, you know... That's so I, Yeah, no, I, I remember, I think I came back with a... Um, God, I'm trying to remember. I think it was Polanski's Knife in the Water. I think that's what it was. Because I'd wanted to see it. And I rented it for a, a party with friends. And like after five minutes... My friend Pat Ryan, he jumps up and he goes, all right, so let's watch this. He puts in like Weekend at Bernie's or something. So funny. Yeah. That's a Kofor pick. You can watch that one on your own. It's so weird that that's like gone down through our family. That's like where it definitely where it's come from though, because I can, it's been very, every, all my, all my film interests have come either from you or from the family as a whole. Like our whole family loves Hitchcock and we all watched him. Well, I, I did the same thing like you. Like I went on yeah. Woody Allen Jag, watched everything I yeah. could of his Hitchcock, you know, every, everything, and, and rented everything in the video store had. So let's start with our. So let's list. we'll go with number. We'll we'll rank them together. So we'll go five, five, four, four, three, three. Okay, mine are, are not in any particular order. <coughs> how many do you have? Because we we said top five. So, so I put together a five. You have how many? Yeah. Well, so it's it's like my list of best candy bars ever. There's definitely a te- top five, but there's like ten in the top five. So my top five, there's like nine, but I'll, I can I can pare it down uh, go, to five. Yeah, break it down to five. Okay. Because I have, I well, I'll, I'll go with my five pick. We'll go with your five pick. Okay. And we'll just switch off. Okay. Go. So actually, you you want to go first, or do you want me to go first? Sure. And and I'm gonna uh, go with this as my five pick because I know that it's not yours. Uh, strangers on a train. Yeah. Two fellows meet accidentally, like you and me. No connection between them at all. Never saw each other before. Each one has somebody that he'd like to get rid of. So, they swap murders. Swap murders? <laughs> Each fellow does the other fellow's murder. Then there's nothing to connect them. Each one has murdered a total stranger. Like, you do my murder, I do yours. We're coming into my station. For example, your wife, my father, crisscross. What? Oh, we do talk the same language, don't we? So, Strangers on a Train, for those, uh, if anyone has not seen it, it's this very twisted, diabolical uh, tale about a homicidal maniac. And the underlying yeah. theme is, be careful who you're... Who you who, who trust. Become, who you yeah. trust, who you become friends with. Who you complain and, to. And, and uh, like this, like Dial M uh, for Murder, kind of the protagonist, or one of the leads, is a famous tennis player. Yep. And um, uh, this guy kind of preys upon that. And uh, makes a, uh, a, con- a contract in his mind, uh, it, and it's it's a tit for tat. It, it, and uh, Farley Granger does not have great <laughs> acting chops, no, but he's he good for this role. He's perfect. He, he is stiff as a board, but he's he's good enough <laughs> in this. Yeah. Um, but the the underlying theme, and this is one of these Hitchcock themes that comes up all the time, is the mother-son relationship. It's so weird. It, it's, it's so prominent. This is the precursor. This is 10 years, uh, nine years before Psycho. Yeah. It, and you see kind of the first uh, um, step of, hey, I can really take this theme and go a long ways with it. But it, it's a theme that's throughout Hitchcock's films, a mother-son relationship. It must be something, I don't know much about his personal life, but much must be something from his uh 
personal life. But one of my my favorite themes is Guy Haynes uh, in the movie goes and visits his ex ex wife. He's going through this divorce yeah. with his wife who was cheating on him, and she's just yeah. she's kind of a degenerate in this. And she starts flirting with him, and she finds out uh, that something good might be happening for him and that she can profit from. And he goes, "Oh, skip it, Miriam. It's pretty late to start flirting with a discarded husband." <laughs> it, it, and I think that. Uh, um, that, uh, and the reason that's one of my favorite uh, quotes from that is, uh, I think that that tells a lot about, about Hitchcock and his views on women. And, and, yeah. and because uh, one of the central themes everyone's talked about, the femme fatale, the smart blonde yep. uh, in Hitchcock films. And this is a good example of that and how he has this strange fascination with and... Uh, a massive lack of trust for women. Massive. Yeah. Massive. Yeah. What do you think, what, what's the best scene? Oh, it's the tennis scene when... You think so? It's one of them. When the ball's going back and forth, and yet uh, the one guy's not watching the play at all, he's just focusing in on guy. This this movie is yeah. on my list a little bit higher than you, but yeah. uh, we can talk uh, about it now. I think, so that movie has... What's it that's the thing you? about... What's its number? We'll get to that. Oh, okay. uh, we'll probably just like end up not talking about it as much okay. when we get to it, but um, okay. which is weird because we'll probably have a lot of the same ones on our list. Right. But it um, that movie has like four, five, maybe six sequences that are like masterfully done. Yeah. It's uh, one. So I love the uh, fair sequence when he follows oh, his ex-wife to that island, <laughs> and then you can just see her uh, his lighter in her yeah. glasses. Yeah. That sequence is amazing. Oh, can you imagine the 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 inspiration? Thinking that up, hey, this is how I'm going to shoot. This is how I'm going to do it. Because you know Hitchcock was the outdoor, so yes. his his fingerprints are over everything. Everything. Yeah. He picked all. He picked all. He made all the decisions. Yeah. yeah. Uh, another part I love. There's so <clears throat> when there's just one shot that I think is amazing. When Farley Granger is in his office and he's talking to someone, and he reaches up into this cabinet drawer to pa- grab something. And you can see a gun yes. in the drawer, and he's looking at it, and he grabs it. But I think one of the coolest parts in the movie is whenever uh, Farley Granger's character goes to confront uh, what's his name? Let me, let me the pull antagonist up. in the film. Yeah, um, what, what guy? When guy goes to confront um, his yeah. his tie clips is yeah. Bruno on yeah. it, but it's Bruno. Uh, it's Bruno. I don't think it is. Um, well, let me see. Robert Walker. This is one of my favorite performances yeah, in, oh, he's in uh, Hitchcock so film. So sinister. But, uh, yeah, it's Bruno. <coughs> Bruno Antony. When he yeah. confronts his dad and he turns the light on and he's sitting in his yeah. dad's bed waiting for him. Yeah. That's a that's also a great scene. Um, well, and it's, I mean, it's one of those things where, like, like I said, that Hitchcock was in line with his audience at that point in time. Yeah. Because he's saying much more there. And it's very Freudian, right? Very Freudian. And, and um, some people in the audience would pick up on it. It's almost like going to a Pixar with your kids. Yeah. Your kids aren't picking up on the adult but you, stuff. But you can but pick up on it. But you pick up on it. He's, yeah. super, he's super cerebral. Yeah. Hitchcock, that's, I think that's the thing. That's why he's one of the greatest is because he's one of the few directors that is able to so deftly walk the line between entertainment and art. Yeah. He's able to entertain you. While at the same time giving you a very like insightful, profound message, or being uh, just like 
I don't know, just beautifully rendering stories. I, I wonder, and I always wonder with Hitchcock if he studied Freud much because there's so many. You think f- so? Yeah. If you take a Freudian, especially Lancet, if you so see like Shadow of a Doubt. Oh, or yeah. spellbound? spellbound, spellbound, totally. Oh, oh yeah, with the hypnosis, but 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 also um, just the symbolism, stabbing all the time. Yeah, right? uh, you know, at the end of North, the closing shot at the end of North, North by Northwest. Northwest. I mean, there is so there's much. There's tons, yeah, yeah, of subtlety. symbols, yeah. Well, I think a lot of his artistry and maybe some of the psychological stuff stems because so Hitchcock was able. He spanned all like a huge chunk of. So he started in silent films. Yeah. He spanned a huge chunk of... Then he started as a stage director. He started as an art director. Art director, that's yeah. right. That's right. And then he was a director. Yeah. So he went from silent to sound films, directing silent, then sound, and then color. And he was able to be the master in all three yeah. uh, like points yeah. of the medium. That's why he's such a good visual storyteller. That's why storytellers today are boring, because they never had to tell, tell stories without sound. Without sound, yeah. Okay, my number five. <clears throat> and... I, I, I know we're gonna get a lot of crossover here. We're gonna get a lot of crossover, but we're gonna. I think it, they're all of my picks are pretty controversial. <clears throat> it's just how I feel today. This could change tomorrow. My number five is Vertigo. I love you, Madeline. I love you too. Too late. No, no, we're together. No, it's too late. It's something I must do. No, there's nothing you must do. There's nothing you must do. No one possesses you. You're safe with me. No, it's too late. Wow, I'm shocked know. that's not your number one. I know. It used to be my, my favorite mm-hmm. film of all time. It well, still is one of my favorite films of all time, but as I've grown older, like there's uh, there's a lot more that I could see myself wow. popping in and watching. I'm interested to see what's going to push ahead of Vertigo for you. I know. Well, th- this is all based off rewatchability. So Vertigo is my number four. So we could, let's talk well, we about, talk about this together then. Yeah. So your number four, my number five. Vertigo uh, was probably... Uh, it's like one of the first movies I watched where I was like, oh, I know that people would think this is boring, but I love this. Yeah. It's where I really kind of figured out like, oh, this is like, this storytelling medium is like my bread and butter yeah. because I'm, t- I'm enjoying this and I know that some people wouldn't. I think I watched it with Kennedy and she didn't like it. She yeah. was bored. Yeah. When, but we were like 14, she, I was 12. But um, it's his gosh for most personal work easily. <laughs> it's his... Easily, it's, it's, it's his. I think it's autobiographical. His most, it's autobiographical. It's, yeah. it's well, it's his. It is like it's I think it's his him opus him. because yeah. it's it's all about. It's the movie that captures the message that he's been trying to tell the entire, his entire career. It's like the most honest message he tells. Well, when you hear him talk to Truffaut about it, <coughs> he turns off the uh, recorder. The recorder. He's going to talk about pornographic thoughts yeah. that Jimmy Stewart's characters having. Yeah, <laughs> and, and you know. Uh, how would you know that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Unless you've experienced that. Yeah. Well, he. I think it, it's just it's about his whole career. I think the whole movie's about him and his it, career. It's it, very uh, symbolic. T- to me, it, it, it's about control and it's about obsession. And because if you look at that film, the obsession overcomes the crime. Because you kind of forget about whatever the crime is he's trying to pursue here. Yeah. It's more about his his obsession. He he uh, casts Jimmy Stewart against type. Because Jimmy Stewart was always the white hat in his in yeah. films, yeah. And in this, he is. It, 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 so it's if you look at the beginning of the film, it starts out your typical almost Hitchcock like, 
where you have Jimmy Stewart and he's got this girl that he knows in love with him and they're kind of hanging out. They got this easy life and then he's approached by this guy. And then it just goes, it takes a massive left turn where Jimmy Stewart suddenly becomes this crazy obsessive guy. He thought, I thought he was normal and I yeah. was buying into this. Yeah. Now, wait a second, this is not normal. Yeah. And he goes full on stalker mode, shuts the other girl out of his life and just focuses in on revealing the true identity, what he thinks is yeah. this person. And then he kind of realizes at the end that he's been duped this whole time. Yeah. And that his actions actually end up in a murder. And the, there was murder. It's just, and, and it's just so twisty. And, and Jimmy Stewart becomes so twisted in this film when it reveals his true character. It's like Hitchcock saying, okay, I'm going to make this film. And I'm going to give you guys a peek underneath my suit as to what I really like. Yep. I'm really like this. Yeah. <laughs> you guys might see me as this wholesome kind of character up front, or maybe you don't. But I'm really this dark, perverted voyeur of a person. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, I think, I don't, I mean, in a sense, I think it's his scariest movie. Because it's like the most like... I mean, because the protagonist is the one who ends up being a villain, yeah. in a way. Oh, yeah. And so, it's like, and since we're watching through the protagonist's eyes, you have to go on this journey with him. It's like, because Psycho <laughs> isn't told from Norman Bates' perspective. No. It's told from uh, Vivian Leigh's and her sisters, but yeah. like... No, I, I think Vertigo is 90% POV shots. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> yeah. I just wonder if, like, working on that movie... Being a producer, just being like, this is a very interesting take, Hitch. Yeah, yeah, We've yeah. been doing other movies. This is very different. Where are we going with this? Uh, <coughs> what are you trying to tell us here? Uh, no, it... it um, and, and maybe that's... He was so hard on Ken Novak and making that film because of because of that. Yeah. The, the other thing that's so odd about uh, Vertigo is because everyone, as soon as the film opens, you see Jimmy Stewart, and he's this kind of nice, wholesome, war vet of a guy, and he's got this uh, this uh, thing that plagues him, so he's got this definite Achilles heel, and um, because of that, he's had to quit his career, and he, he becomes something else. Uh, so you have immediate empathy, and everybody buys in and says, okay, we're on Jimmy Stewart's side. And, and, and he just slowly takes you down this path of this dark obsession and for for most people if you watch that film you think wait a second I was really identifying with Jimmy Stewart I don't know so much could, now yeah. or could I be like or this could I do, that's why it's so I, dark I think, that, I think that's what Hitchcock yeah. is saying is hey watch out anybody can be, be can do this this can happen to anybody and I'm no different from I, you I think the reason why I liked Vertigo so much when I first saw it was because I identified with like the obsession part but with film because at that point in my life I was trying to devour as much Hitchcock as I could all these movies and then I saw yeah. this I was like this is how I feel about movies the, the, the other the other thing and, and you, you know you, you're talking about Hitchcock being an art director I mean the use of color an art director oh. in film wow San Francisco oh my word what a and what a wonderful time to have kind of been there right? no one shoots America better than Hitchcock a oh, Brit no kidding Every location he picks, he makes we'll, it so we'll picturesque. Talk about that with Catch a Thief. Yeah, we'll talk. To, yeah, Jeez. but you know, he makes yeah. San Francisco look a, like a dream. Well, it probably was then. That's why oh, I'm I, sure it was. That's why my parents lived there and they loved it. Yeah, yeah. it was fantastic. Where it became super populated. Uh, there's so there's one character in Vertigo that a lot of people like to, uh, like marginalize Hitchcock's approach to women. 
Yeah. Uh, which I think is really unfair because there's like a string of uh, of this one character that he keeps reusing. So uh, Barbara Bel Geddes plays Midge Wood. Yeah. Who is Midge? She's the character we love. Yeah. She's in love with. Uh, Jimmy Stewart's character yeah. with she's the one Scotty. You hope, you hope Scotty ends hope up with it. And, she, he, and but like she kind of just drifts away. But so she's a character she gets that out, outright, is right. in a lot of Hitchcock films. Yeah. So she's the girl who feels like she's not good enough. Yeah. Uh, and no one ever addresses that. Like that character trope is also in Marnie. It's in Rebecca. Yeah, yeah. It's in Rear Window. I think Grace Kelly has shades of it in Rear Window. Because yeah. she's not super, that super confident. She's very much like, yeah, I don't she, know how, what life to pick. this guy? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it's unfair just to say he liked Pretty Blondes because he like, well, there's a lot of movies, especially Rebecca and Marnie, that he tapped into like the psycho a- analysis of like girls who don't feel like they're good enough. Isn't that interesting? Well, it, it, and, and it, I don't want to talk too much about it, but but to catch a thief, you have that definitely. Yeah. With the rich world girl who only likes the unattainable. Yep. And not the guys who are ch- doesn't want the guys who are chasing her. Yeah. 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 All right. Um. Uh. My number. Okay. So. Four. So just a second. Uh, I, I wanted to put uh, years on, on at the front of these. So Strangers in the Train on the train came out in 1951. Yeah. Uh, Vertigo came out in 1958. Yes. Okay. Which isn't it like what director? No director working today has a, a seven year, like ability where their movies are as good within a seven year period, like at the beginning oh. of seven year period, the end of seven year period. Most directors today they have like a five year streak and then they're done. Well, okay, and one thing I want to say, if you look at the the world of Hitchcock, so if you look at what films were being made during Hitchcock's career, they were westerns, they were musicals, yep. they were yeah. drama, they were romance, nothing. So. It was shocking for him to get funded because yeah. nobody was making films like that. There no. was some film noir, but they were B films, right? Yeah. Any science fiction was B film. So, so if you think about, if you were to take Hitchcock, he was definitely outside the system. He was not making films that anyone else was made. And it wasn't until the French New Wave came along that he really got was any, recognized. Recognized. Yeah. He he was seen not that as a hack. But he just wasn't recognized as a serious filmmaker. No. He, he, he went on for 30 years making these films with a... He never won Best Director. director. No, no. And, 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 Ridiculous. Yeah, no, he was, he was fantastic. Whereas you look at like the John Fords and all those guys, Try. they were making westerns and they couldn't make enough westerns, right? Yeah. So they were, they were pumping those out. Try. And so, hey... Whatever Western you want to make next, John Ford, we'll do it. Yep. Where Hitchcock, I'm sure he had to fight like crazy to get his films made because it, it just wasn't in the mainstream. It would be like somebody today who's not making superhero films, not making big sci-fi films. It's almost like uh, Sofia Coppola, right? She's making these quiet little films yeah. off to the side, but they're fantastic. Yeah. yeah. All right, so that was your number four, right? Vertigo is my number four. My number five. My number four... This is gonna be. You're gonna freak out. This yeah. is very controversial. Uh, looking at my list, I still agree with it, but I could see why I would change it or why uh, you'd be mad. My number four is Psycho. Is your time so empty? No. Well, I, I run the office and uh, tend the cabins and grounds and and do little uh, errands for my mother, the ones she allows I might be capable of doing. Do you go out with friends? Well, a, a boy's best friend is his mother. Hmm. Interesting. 
Interesting pick way down there. I do way down there. Yeah. But no, it's because the ne- the next three are so like. Yeah. But this is based on like uh, now. This is granted. Our these and, are and these are personal. Highly subjective, right? Well, yeah. and Psycho. Objectively, one of the greatest films ever made. I've actually seen. Objectively, may not be. May not not in my yeah. top four, five for Hitchcock yeah. specifically for yeah. my personal taste, but I mean, it's still I watch it like at least three times a year. Yeah. I want, uh, like, all, it's, it's a, thing it's you, a you, rule you book. Can, you can watch it with the sound off and just watch the, the film. The cuts, uh, yeah. Uh, I think this is, I mean. The dialogue in the scene uh, where, uh, isn't Marion Crane? Yeah. She, she comes in and she first sits down with uh, Norman Bates. And they're in the room and he's got all the, uh, the animals, birds, all the stuff, birds yeah. around. And they're, that, that. And her sitting in that chair. That, that dialogue and. He is telling her everything that she needs to know, but she's not getting it. And that dialogue back and forth, and she's going to be completely controlled by this guy, and she doesn't know it. That that is such a Hitchcock thing. That uh, it's such a yeah. And and I remember the first time. So I watched Psycho. It was probably sixth grade, maybe. Yeah. I remember the first time I watched that thing, and I'm about three quarters of the way through the movie, and I'm thinking, this guy's mom is a monster. Yeah. What? This poor guy, right? This is. I, I, I remember thinking, man, th- this woman is killing I all her business. I can't imagine <laughs> seeing that movie he's when it came out. How many left turns that movie takes? We all. I mean, like, it, you're so accustomed to it now because it's so iconic, like oh. all, the whole movie. But like, that movie does not go at all how you think it's going to go. It, it continuously just wrote, takes turns. He, he, he wrote the new rule book for it. Yeah. The other thing about it, and this is the masterfulness of Hitchcock, so he'd come off North by Northwest, they gave him a blank check, yep. he goes and takes this kind of real crime story, makes it, for that time, incredibly gritty, and, and he had a six-minute trailer for that. Where four movies and they didn't show one one scene. scene. It was they just him walking around the set talking, talking about, about it. it. Yeah, and and uh, the whole rule was that they would they weren't allowed to don't tell anyone. Yeah, they asked how it not ends. to tell them how this thing ends. And then even in the end, um, you get that iconic thing where you get that kind of drives you crazy. The doctor comes out and tells you the whole story of what happened, right? But I mean, but what else were you gonna do? Yeah, yeah. but. but uh, then you get that shot at the end where he's what two frames of yeah. his dead mother's face yep. on his face, yeah. and then they sh- they show him pulling that car out of the swamp. It's just like it, 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 not a happy ending. No, it's not a happy ending. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 not uh, Cary Grant and Grace Kelly uh, living in a French. And it's just the end. <laughs> yeah, I, I that yeah. I just can't imagine sitting in that theater and watching. I'm just thinking about specifically the part when she's on the highway. And go, pulls into the Bates Motel because you know nothing about the story before going into the movie. Yeah. You just have Hitch talking to you about like some of the – you don't know – you haven't seen it one frame from this actual movie before and because of the trailers. And you're just like, what is going on? Well, and, and the other thing, it, there, there, there's – I think there's a subtle psychology with that. I mean rural areas out away from everything terrify me more psychologically than a big crowded city. Yeah, I'll take the big city anytime over some person who's living out in the because yep. you know they're up to that's, no good. No, why yeah. are you living out yeah, here exactly. by yourself? Well, no, and There's people live out there. Out. You don't have anything going on. That's yeah. why that stuff happens. Yeah, they yeah. get bored. They get bored. They start thinking, well, if I killed somebody, I could really hide a body out here. Yeah, easy, I could right? do it really well. Yeah, I uh, that I just so 
everyone loves the shower scene, but my favorite murder scene is when uh, the guys come up the stairs. Yes. <laughs> uh, what's his name? Let me look. Yeah, I can't I remember. He's in. Yeah. He's in. Uh, the detective. On the waterfront. Yeah. Yeah, and he gets he gets too close, and mom comes out, and, and that first cut down his face. And then the falling down. Well, the stairs killed Milton Arbogast, Arbogast uh, the, the detective. Yeah. yeah. So when he, uh, played by Martin Balsam, when he's coming up the stairs, uh, and she just comes, and so it's that it's that the bird's eye shot, and she just like jumps out of the room. <laughs> when I saw him. it the first time, scared the crap out of me. And then she, and then so him falling down the stairs, and then she like stairs pounces killed. on him. Yeah, I know she's like a ravage animal. That movie, that oh, that scene's my that's animal. my favorite oh, part of the movie. No, it's so scary. I uh, I I don't understand why Hitchcock didn't win Best Director for that movie. I don't get it. Because and I I think it kind of goes back to that French New Wave. It wasn't until these guys who were critics that became filmmakers like Truffaut and stuff that everyone start, was able to like yeah they they, it out. they like raise everyone's awareness and say hey look I know all you guys are giving these awards to these other guys yeah Orson Welles is fantastic totally deserving there are a lot of those guys totally deserving you're missing it you got yeah. one of the greatest of all time over here and you're just you're just missing everything that he's doing yeah yeah all right um. All right, so that was your four. That's my four. What is your three? My We've already three, talked about my three. Yeah, I've already talked about my four and five. Uh, so my three, and, and this is Hitchcock Light. This is this is the Hitchcock film that I can put on at any time. But for, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know yeah, what you're going to say. Yeah, I know what it is. Yeah, so Psycho, uh, I can enjoy it. Vertigo, I can enjoy it, and I think they're fantastic films. Um, but I want to sit down and watch them. This is... This is uh, background, but this, background, it, but it's so enjoyable. And and if if I'm gonna, especially if it's a girl, and I'm gonna introduce them to a Hitchcock film, I'm leaving. But with this. this movie is pretty seasonal for me. I can't watch this movie during the winter. No, no. Say so, so. You already know what it is. Has some of the sharpest, best dialogue ever. Uh, yeah. Catch thief. Never had a better offer in your whole life. One with everything. never had a crazier one. Just as long as you're satisfied. You know as well as I do, this necklace is imitation. Well, I'm not. Yeah. And um, Grace Kelly, she's fantastic in this. Uh, Cary Grant and Grace Kelly together. Amazing. It's yeah. just absolutely amazing. It, uh, on the French Riviera, I mean, it, it is, it, to me, it's got uh, some of the, like I said, dialogue, some of the best setting going. Hitchcock just eats it up. He has so many wide shots. He has so many yeah. these, these over-the-top shots where he's like... Look how beautiful this is. Yeah. yeah. The, the studio is paying us to shoot to a shoot film. here. Yeah. <laughs> Can you believe this? It's, yeah. It's like he's getting away with murders. Like he's, it's it's almost like he's sending back postcards. Like we had such a great time. Yeah. It, it's no wonder that Cary Grant agreed to do that movie. Yeah. Now um, the it has of all Hitchcock films, even better than North by Northwest, has the best ending forever. So John yep. Roby, the cat, takes off and leaves Francie and her mom. Right, Francie chases him home, finds out where he lives, and he lives in this French chateau. And um, he's—they're kind of reconciling the fact that yeah, we should give this relationship a go. Yeah. And, and 
He says, "Mother will love it up here." I just <laughs> love. I just love that. And he kind of looks at her like, "Oh, geez, you're roping me in," because he is this perpetual wannabe a bachelor, yeah, lone wolf kind of guy, and she's she's trying to rope him in. But uh, some of the best lines from that film: uh, "Do you want a leg or a breast when they're on a picnic?" I yeah, mean, complete Hitchcock subtle. Uh, and then uh, when uh, <laughs> they spend the night together, and her mom gets robbed. She comes in and, and she's indignant with uh, John Roby and says, well, you just wait right here because the police are coming up because I just told them everything that happened last night. And, and he looks at her and he goes, everything? The boys down at the station house uh, must have loved that. Oh, it's, <laughs> it's, it's such a great that, Okay, so there's like three movies in a row that Hitchcock has that the lines are just oh, so quick good. and like, Sharp and perfect. Yeah, it, it, amazing humor. Usually, only uh, only really appreciated and understood after repeated viewings. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's too quick. It's yeah. so good. Yeah, it's 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 such a great film, and, and it's uh, a it's a perfect like date movie. It is. It, it, it's like I said. It's it's uh, Hitchcock light, but it's it's Hitchcock on vacation. Hey, sometimes you just want a diet coke. Man. Yeah, it's just it's just the perfect thing. Yeah. yeah. So my number three was Strangers on a Train, which we've already talked about. Yeah. So what's your number two? Uh, I think our ones and two. Have we talked about your three? That was your three. That was my three. Our one and two are in interchangeable. What, what what's your psych? What, which ones? What was your number four? My number four was Vertigo. And your number five was Strangers. Where's oh so was Psycho not in your top five? No. Wild. Yeah. So I I Psycho is a tier one. Yeah, but to me, Psycho is a part still. Yeah, it's it, well, it's so different than all the other ones. Yeah, it, it, it's like looking at Orson Welles. There's Welles. it's bleak. You, it's you, the bleakest. Yeah, if you take out Orson Welles' body work, you got to take out Citizen Kane. It's it sets on its own. Yeah, it everything is, else is everything in else, contention. Yeah, yeah, everything else is second. Touch of Evil, and Magnificent, Emerson's are battling with the Stranger. They're, yeah, they're they're great. They're yeah. great, but they're no Citizen Kane. And, and the same yeah. thing with uh, uh, with Psycho. Psycho is the the greatest film for all all these other things, um, but it, it, in my top five, it's it's uh, it's probably not one of my favorites, but but I see that as a, a better and yeah. greater film than all of these. Totally, I, I'll watch it anytime. But uh, I, I do these other five for reasons. And then I have a, I have a couple that I that are my most underrated Hitchcock films too. Me too. I have a list of like that too. Okay. So I think our top two. Are the same. I think we have the same top two. I'm guessing just based off of his body of work and knowing our taste, but I don't know which one you have for number one, which one you have for number two. They, it, this for me could literally change. Like I said, with all of these, yeah. like they could change any any order. I could I could put Psycho as my number one if I if I really like depending on the day. My number two is Rear Window. Yeah, mine too. This is the scene of the crime. A crime of passion, filmed in a way you have never seen before, and as no one else would dare attempt. But the screen's master of suspense, the producer-director who shocked the world with Psycho. Okay, so we have the same top two. Yeah, I'm we'll get to, we'll so. get to the the first one in a second. Okay, so g- give me your uptake and your history with uh, Rear Window. Rear Window is it's just I think it's the first Hitchcock movie I saw. And it's, it's amazing. Yeah, it's, I mean, I don't know. Like, what can you, what, it, I feel like there's nothing left to say about how amazing that movie is. Like, you should either, like, you just watch it, like, 
the evidence, he leaves it all there. It's, it is so, it's, first of all, I think Jimmy Stewart's character is fantastic in it. Yeah, I think he's a fantastic Jeffries. character, yeah. Jeff, yeah. He, because he goes through a great character change, but, um, Great Kelly's fantastic. All the bit Star parts Wars. are, he's great. The detective friend. It's a friend. small cast. It's a small film. There's really five it's a characters. St- it's, a, it's a stage play on film. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, it's terrific. Lars, Thorwald, whatever. It, uh, it's uh, Thorwald. Yeah. Thorwald, yeah. All, all of the, it's, it's Intelligence. Perfect. Nothing is causing human rage so much troubles in intelligence. intelligence. Yeah. has got the best lines. People used to just be happy, get married. Now they sit around, read a lot of books. Yeah. Um, Where does he get inspiration to write a song like that from Lisa? I think he gets it from the landlady once a month. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Ruin is amazing. I, yeah. I I don't know what else to say besides it's the only one that doesn't have a prominent score, but that's yeah. to its advantage. It's, it's the jazz of the age, though. Yeah. So if you think about 1954, Greenwich Village, jazz age, that's what's yep. happening. That is what's happening. So, so another masterful stroke to choose that uh, uh, music for that. No, it's fantastic. Yeah, I think it's... I think it's Hitchcock's most brilliant visual storytelling because he has he had to do so much with the camera because to tell that story it's so hard because it's so constrained he had to do a lot of remarkable like visual storytelling well not only that but and and it's it's got these these Hitchcock things right so if you look at L.B. Jeffries ordinary man thrown into an extraordinary situation yep very prominent thing but but he's a twisted ordinary man because he's an ordinary man, but he's doing something that's not good. No. He's a freaking voyeur. Yeah. Right? So he's watching his neighbors through, through the back window and peering into their lives. And the, the comment is made early on by Stella, you you know, you don't do that, right? Yeah. Bad things. This is not a lead to good things. And so it's a, it's a great uh, precursor of things to come. Um, so, so you have an ordinary man who's a little twisted. Yeah. So this is nineteen fifty four. But he's bored. But, but he, he is, is bored. bored. There's no TV. Yeah, there's no he doesn't have he a TV. anything to do. Anything yeah, to do. Yeah, yeah. But but see the, and, and, uh, that's part of what Hitchcock's telling it's you. Also, this leads to bad stuff. All of their characters, all of Hitchcock's characters are perfect for the situation because he's a traveling photographer. Yeah. Like if the worst the last thing he wants is to be stuck in his apartment, yeah. not able to go anywhere. Oh, it's it's hell on earth. Yeah, right? it's amazing. Yeah. yeah. And he's counting down the days. It also has the best character introduction of all time with Grace Kelly's oh. character. From top to bottom. From what's, top to bottom. What's what? What's her name in it her, again? Her, her name is uh, Lisa. Uh, what is she? she says uh, it's Lisa, Lisa Carol. It's uh, I, I watched it literally a week ago. Yeah. Oh, sorry, I looked at the wrong movie. Um, but, but another one of the tropes in here, the the Hitchcock, the the heroes are Fremont. Yeah, Lisa Lisa, Carol Fremont. Lisa Carol Fremont. The heroes are are warriors, so they're flawed. The police are dumb, right? Always the, those in authority that are always stupid. Yep. And they never believe the or, ordinary man, right? Yep. When LB gets his fr- friend, the cop there, or, uh, he, and he tells him the doubtful. story. Doubtful. He, he checks into it. There's nothing there. Although it's so, it's so perfect when when uh, Lisa Fremont starts believing. Yeah. Because that's like the perfect way to introduce it. What is it? Is he? Is he he's a. Sure, he's like cleaning knives. What is it that he, they see Thornwall do, and she then she's all of a sudden she's interested in what's going on? That and the purse, right? Yeah, yeah. Ah. yeah that's what. And then yeah, and, and it's almost like it, it, you get this feeling because they have this argument early on that he's saying he's trying to break up with her, and he's saying you're too perfect for me. You're not the right girl for me. 
I need a girl who can go to the African jungle and and all those kind of sag sandbag around the world. And and it's almost like she takes it as a challenge as I can be that person and I'm going to prove it to you through this caper. You know, it's like a Scooby-Doo, you know, type type episode (laughs) where we're going to, we're going to get to the bottom of this. And she does this daring thing and goes over there and that, that, um, that thing is what brings a relationship yeah. together. They uh, they resolve their differences through uh, uh, being voyeurs. Yeah, and Solving getting crime. involved in this guy's yeah. life, and then yeah, being the uh, crime solvers. It's it's amazing. It's fantastic. Yeah, uh, uh, and just shout out your mom. Absolutely loves. Uh, the clothes in this movie that uh, Grace got. Oh, yeah. another, another Edith Head masterpiece, right? Yep. So it, it, for those who don't know, Edith Head, she uh, was the premier costume designer uh, in Hollywood, did a ton of Hitchcock films, uh, and uh, she is kind of parodied in the movie The Incredibles. Um, With Edna Mode. Yeah, who, who does the uh, 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 costumes for the superheroes. And, and that's how Edith Head really was. She was short. She wore these big glasses. She had that um, kind of dramatic uh, linear cut. haircut yeah. and talked like that. Oh, darling. And, and, and treated everybody that way. So yeah. funny. Yeah, it's, it's great. So we had, we had the same number one. Northburn. Northburn. Yeah. Right, yeah. yeah. Selling at 1,000. Three of you together. Now that's 1, a picture only Charles Adams could draw. Good evening, Mr. Kaplan. Before we start calling each other names, perhaps you'd better tell me yours. I haven't had the pleasure you disappoint me, sir. I was just going to say that to her. I always understood you were a pretty shrewd fellow at your job. What possessed you to come blundering in here like this? Could it be an overpowering interest in art? Yes, the art of survival. Uh, for the me, perfect film. It, the it, perfect, perfect film. It, it, it plays every note. Yeah. yeah. It, yeah. It, it's... I feel like this movie is like what... I don't know. I don't want to speak ignorantly, but like what made movie stars. Like you see that movie and you're thinking, if I saw Cary Grant on the street, like that'd be a big deal. Yeah. Like Cary Grant was, no one has ever been able to touch. Maybe George Clooney has been able to come close to how charismatic. Because Cary Grant, what he can do is he can play handsome, but he can also play dumb yeah. in a good way. Oh, he's, he's, and he's, he's comedic and dramatic. Yeah. Uh, um, if you look at both, Jimmy Stewart and, and Cary Grant, they're both in four Hitchcock films, um, probably the most known of all of his protagonists. If you look at their body of work, they were doing like two films a year. Those yeah. guys worked like crazy. So um, they were in hot demand. They were the faces of Hollywood yeah. at that time, yet yet the two are radically different. Uh, Jimmy Stewart, just in his delivery and the way that he speaks, it's this homespun, stuttering guy that you trust. Cary Grant, because he was born in England and left, lived a lot of his life there, and, he's a, and, he, and he learned an American accent, he has this very distinctive way of speaking, much like Grace Kelly. Yeah. So Grace Kelly sounds like the prep schoolgirl that went to Bryn Mawr, right? Yeah. It, 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 and, and, and Hitchcock just loved that, and that's why she was, I think, in three of his films. Yep. And, and Cary Grant was the same way. He had a very uh, interesting pattern of speech and the way that he delivered lines. And, and it's perfect. But in North by Northwest, what's so perfect about it is not just the way that Cary Grant plays Roger Thornhill, is that he is, from the first scene, he is a shallow, yeah. 
think thin, right? Yeah. He, he, he's this shallow kind of uh, Madison Avenue guy that uh, lies to people and he justifies it that advertising is all about lying and it's okay. Yeah. It's right. We're making people feel great. And so and immediately you're like, this guy kind of a dirtbag, but it's played by Cary Grant. It's you can't a not love way. him. You still love him. He's it. so like, transparent. Yeah, yeah. It's like, I love his transparency. Yeah. Yeah. yeah this yeah. Th- this movie, literally, it's like, the, I I have no, I've, I've never watched it and ever had a problem with any part of it. That's kind of the same way with all of these movies. Um, but it, like, the lines are perfect. Oh. And it's perfect romance, comedy, and thrills. It's, it is all there. Yeah, and and, you've, and getting back to that Cary Grant character, because I don't want to let this theme die. No, yeah. Um, you fall in love with him in spite of the fact that he's been divorced twice, and he makes it known that uh, there's a couple of uh, bartenders in the New York area that are... They rely on him. And, and his mom doesn't even believe it, right? No, yeah. She's just like, oh, Roger, just pay the $5, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, I, I don't believe this whole story that you made up. And um, But uh, Eve Kendall... Eve Kendall, yeah. amazing character, yeah, she and she had it. to be played by Eva Marie Saint. It, it, she had to be played because if you had Grace Kelly, you wouldn't believe that she could lie. Eva Marie Saint plays that sinisterly, but you still like her. It, it, well, she, and she's so cold. Yeah, and and I remember watching North by Northwest the first time, and I wasn't sure if she was on the up and up. No, yeah. Is she pretending to be in love with Roger Thornhill? Is she actually? Is she actually in love with him? Is she actually in love with James Mason? Uh, how did her husband die? Is this a revenge thing? It, it, it is fascinating. And one of my, my favorite lines uh, from that movie is uh, she, she, they're sitting on the train and she says to him, and, and many times in this film, they talk about how well-tailored Cary Grant was. Yeah. She goes, you've got, uh, good, you've got taste in clothes, taste in food. And then Cary Grant says, and taste of women. I like your flavor. <laughs> one of the best pickup lines of all time. Oh, amazing. Time. Yeah. yeah. That, it, it, any scene with those two, it's like, it is, it's, uh, oh. it, they just eat up those lines. Oh, oh. Can you imagine how happy you would have been to get that script? Oh, that, and for me, that's why To Catch a Thief is so high. But, but To Catch a Thief, Rear Window, North by Northwest, um, Vertigo is much more on a serious tone. But those three films... It's the perfect blend of sensuality, comedy, right? They they play it off as comedy. Great dialogue moving the story along, but the give and take between the the male and the female leads. I mean, it's just it's like watching tennis. It's just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And well, uh, Cary Grant has chemistry with everyone on camera. Oh gosh, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I, I, you just said that. It just reminded me of that scene where he's escaping from the hospital, and he goes to that girl. Through the window, and she goes, stop, and then she puts her glasses on, uh, and he she goes, sees him, stop. and she goes, stop. Yeah. And he's like, ah. Uh, <laughs> it's so perfect. It's such a great film. That yeah. plot is also insane. So, so here is my weird fetish with North by Northwest. I love to watch it late at night on a Friday. Yeah, yeah. I, have, I actually have on my Spotify a... Um, a Bernard Herrmann uh, playlist that I and it's titled uh, Friday Night at Eleven. For some reason, the music, the film, the everything—it is perfect just, for that time. It's, it's just perfect for me to watch it late at night, even if I fall asleep in it. Uh, which last time I watched it, it was late and I fell asleep, and I woke up. And I still—it's just—it's just a great, great film for me. It was my the first Hitchcock film I'd ever seen. 
It, it's a. Uh, it's. It's my favorite. It's in my top five movies of all time. Yeah. Easily. Yeah, yeah I love North by Northwest. Very easily. All right, let's go through a couple of these other categories for Hitchcock films. Best scores. I have a three here. Vertigo, North by Northwest, and Psycho. North by Northwest is my favorite. Vertigo, I mean, they're all my favorite. But Psycho is the most iconic. Yeah, easily. I was going to say, because Psycho is the most iconic. Uh, North by Northwest is my favorite. I love it. Uh, it reminds me of uh, driving through the mountains here in Utah, going through the pass. We have the top yeah. down in the VW, which is almost like to it. almost like a catch me if you can. Beautiful view uh, too. Yeah, it, it would make a great Hitchcock film being chased up and down those treacherous mountains. Yeah. Best performances: I have Vivian Leigh in Psycho oh, and Anthony Perkins in Psycho, Cary Grant in North Northwest, and Jimmy Stewart in Vertigo. Yeah, and then part. probably, uh, oh, what's his name? Um, I just said his name a bit ago in Strangers on a Train. Farley Granger? No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, uh, plays Bruno. Yeah, wh- yeah. Oh, what's his name? Robert Walker. Robert Walker. Who yeah. actually was LDS and from yeah. uh, Salt Lake. That's right. But he died young. Yeah, he did. He, he, what a wonderful actor. Oh, um, a fantastic performance. Okay, my, my favorite um, is Anthony Perkins. Yeah. Um, I mean, method actor. Uh, he, he he was so he was so good. He became too good. Yeah. In Psycho, it typecast him for the rest of his career. Sadly. Yeah, but uh, wonderful actor, just natural, just natural for that. Perfect, role. perfect amount of. This guy is like creepy, but like, I still like him. Yeah, absolutely. No, he sold it, and um, he's so boyish. Th- yeah, he, he's boyish and, and um, Hitchcock. It, in Psycho particularly, he does all these extreme camera angles. He has this one where he's talking, and it's this extreme angle with these shadows on the wall behind him, and it, he's sitting down and he's talking. And um, even with those extreme angles, and Hitchcock's telling you something's amiss here, yeah. uh, he just he just sells every every scene. Um, now I don't I don't know if it's the best acting, but my favorite female uh, character. It's probably Francie uh, Grace Kelly in, in um, To Catch a Thief. Because, really? Well, it, it, and the reason for that, you know, it's Grace Kelly playing Grace Kelly. Yeah. But, um, so she likes him, and then she's used to guys chasing her, and then when he doesn't, it, it doesn't go, and he, he leaves her. And she, to me, she makes a transition of the stuck-up girl that's used to men fawning all over her, to the one who's doing the pursuing, yep. to repentant, yep. to getting in on the scheme, much like uh, we get with Rear Window and that. And uh, I think it's fantastic. The, the other is uh, in Dial M. Um, Grace Kelly. No, no uh, I'm talking about male lead. Well. Oh! oh um, I cannot remember the guy's name, the retired tennis pro. Grace Kelly's cheating on him. And he goes back and gets one of his friends from college to, uh, to potentially murder her. Is the plot Ray Milland? Yeah, Ray Milland. He 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 plays oh. it. He plays it straight. He but he's the perfect English gentleman to, yep. to be playing that. And um, Hitchcock uh, does this thing where he keeps the camera on Ray Milland this whole time, where he's warming up his ex friend for the bomb he's going to drop about killing his wife, and he, and he just follows him around the room. 
I, I don't know. That, that's just a scene that always sticks out to me. Um, but I also got to say uh, uh, Ingrid Bergman. Um, I, I like uh, Notorious a lot, uh, but I don't know that anybody can play uh, Vulnerable as well as uh, Ingrid, Bergman. Ingrid Bergman, both Casablanca and Notorious. Uh, she starts off as this socialite with a famous father, and she becomes vulnerable very quickly. And I think that transition, I just think she was, she was wonderful. I wish I would have seen her in more uh, colored, film, colored films. She, yeah. was, uh, she was fantastic. What do you think is his most underrated films? All right. I, I think two Strangers. Yeah, yeah, it might be. So I have, I have two, other, two different ones, but go ahead, tell me about Saboteur. Barely uh, ever talked about, barely yeah. seen movie. Ends with a guy falling off of the uh, Statue of Liberty. Yeah. Chasing across, the, uh, across America. Fantastic movie. Yeah. I used to watch it all the time when I was in middle school. Yeah, no, that's a that's a really good one. I, I remember uh, when I was taking a film class in um, high school, uh, we watched. We were all about Lifeboat because really, Ste- well, Steinbeck wrote it. Yeah, it's a short story from Steinbeck, and uh, because it's all that. And I think that you know this is high school in Oregon, so they're always going to come at you from a leftist angle. So they're always like warning against groupthink, yeah. mob rule, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's a it's a very subversive message. But my two uh, most underrated uh, films are Trouble with Harry and Shadow of a Doubt. Yeah. So Trouble with Harry is Hitchcock's comic film, weirdest movie. I love it though. And, yeah. And everybody, it's kind pretty. Of it. It's 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 a beautiful film. Uh, it's uh, what's her name's uh, first film ever. Um, Famous, famous actress, one of the best actresses of the twentieth and twenty first century. Um, but uh, Trouble with Harry, Shirley MacLaine, Shirley MacLaine, yeah, Trouble with Harry. I, I, I found it very funny. It's, it's black, dark comedy, but it's great. Yeah, very underrated. And then Shadow of a Doubt, because he, he puts Joseph Cotton against type. And yeah, Joseph Cotton's the the guy from Ohio who, you know, is always kind of the white hat like Jimmy Stewart. And he's the psycho uncle in this thing. And, yeah. And tries to kill his niece by pushing off her train. I love, uh, uh, yeah, to me it's just one of the great uh, under, underrated films of all time and, and one of uh, Hitchcock's underrated. Also Foreign Correspondent. Foreign Correspondent. Man Who Knew Too Much. Which Man Who Knew Too Much is great. Good. Yeah. Rebecca so, is so pretty darn good. Rebecca's Rebecca, good. except for the third act. Everything about the yeah. third, the third act is, is odd. It's a yeah. weird tone shift. But everything else besides that, Rebecca's pretty great. You know, and I, I don't want to criticize International Cinema of BYU, but I understand that them, them showing that last year, so we went and saw it Yeah. Uh, as an international, because Hitchcock's an international filmmaker. But that was his first American-made film. Yeah. That was David Selznick's, uh, the first film that he, when he lured Hitchcock to Hollywood. So I, I don't know, I thought that was interesting. He, he could have gone with something uh, much earlier. Like um, 39 Steps. 39 Steps would have been fantastic. Yeah, for, 39 Steps is great. And that's a great name for a band because that's the name of the spy ring in the film. Yeah. The 39 Steps. The 39 Steps. steps. Um, just uh, Rear Window came out in 54. To Catch Thief came out in 55. <laughs> and uh, North by Northwest came out in 59. So if, so if you look at this, just real quick, I'm just going to throw some together. So you no, start 51 Strangers on a Train. Dial, uh, 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 oh, you can go 48, 1948 Rope, which I, yep. I love too. Great movie. F- uh, 51 Strangers on a Train, 
Uh, 54, dial in for murder. 54, rear window. 55, to catch a thief. 58, vertigo. 59, north by northwest. 60, psycho. 63, birds. Jeez, what a run. Yeah, what amazing. What an absolute run. You know, uh, I hate the movie Marnie. I just want to say that. No, I no, it, hate that, that movie. That's the beginning of the end. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it is so boring. And just, uh, it's just a, I don't know. I don't like Tippi Hedren. Yeah. Uh, that much. I love Tippi Hedren, but I she like kind of seems. Oh, she's too dumb for Hitchcock. I feel like. So I re- I ranked Marnie a zero on my list. Yeah. <laughs> just to let you know, uh, let's go down some interesting. So actresses appearing as Hitchcock types. Just a couple of things. Grace Kelly and three. Doris films. Day. Doris Day. Even Marie Saint. Tonight. Yeah. Even even Marie Saint. One film. Janet Lee. One film. Tippi Hedren. Two. Yeah. Uh, apparently, she got along great with Hitchcock. Yeah. She could handle him. Uh, but I love her in The Birds. Uh, Apparently, Grace Kelly is the same way. Yeah. She, she's super tough, yeah. and she would always, like, talk back to him. Well, and she was a star at the time. Yeah. Right? Yeah, so she had a lot of star power. Uh, Kim Novak, uh, just the one in Vertigo. Doris Day, just the one in Man. Kim Novak, is, like, to, to this day, like, will die for Hitchcock. She yeah. still talks so highly of him and how much she loves him. Uh, now, even He Marie, made her an icon. Yeah. Eva Marie Saint in North by Northwest. Um... As, yeah, that's that's got to be up there in, in best yeah. performances too. So, uh, his later films, everything post Psycho, the the Birds is the best post Psycho. Yeah. Um, Torn Curtain is also good. Topaz is Oof. rough. Yeah. Frenzy is not good. Yeah, family like Plot is so weird. Uh, I, I I've watched Family Plot a, a couple of times because people love it. I try to I I, I give it so many second chances. It's well it's it's, it's Hitchcock after the Hayes Code, yeah. and so it's just so I'm just yeah. I'm, I'm just always kind of it's not that thrilling, and I don't like the lead characters. John Williams did the score. How weird is that? It, well, and the, the other part about it, and and I'm not I try not to let this influence. But I hate a lot of films in the 70s from an aesthetic standpoint. Yeah, yeah. I love that stylized era of the 40s and the 50s. The golden age. Yeah. And then, and then these guys with these huge polyester collars and crappy suits yeah. and white ties and stuff. And I love a lot of films from that era, but man, uh, if, if, the, if the plot is weak and I don't like the story and I'm not interested in the characters, that just throws it down. That's like yeah. the, the straw that breaks the camel's back. I agree. It, and... He was planning on doing one more movie, but then he passed away yeah. in 81. But, um, or was it 80? It was like August 25th. Yeah, I remember it. I remember when he died. Um, I just, I, I, I always think about, because Hitchcock, uh, April 29th, 1980. Yeah. I always wonder about what movies did he see throughout the 70s? What, what were his thoughts on them? Like, did, did he see ta- Taxi Driver? Like, what was his, what were his thoughts on Taxi Driver or, yeah. or The Godfather? Yeah. All that's apocalypse now. Was he seeing this and being like, "What is?" I mean, like, I'm sure he liked it, but being like, "This is so interesting." I I would have had this freedom forty years. Well, how how weird would it be to be? I've worked in the silent age, and then you see movies of that extent, just being like, "This medium is is insane." You got to think though, because he had, I mean, all all those other directors were his his fans. So Scorsese uh, remade Cape Fear, shot it as Hitchcock would yeah. have. It's an homage to Hitchcock and used Bernard Herrmann's score. Um, uh, and then everything that Brian De Palma did, I mean, he's probably 
the most true to Hitchcock filmmaker uh, of this Next last generation. And that Shyamalan. Yeah, that I, I, from a, I think Shyamalan wants to do a lot. Uh, wants to be like Hitchcock, and he likes the twist, but he's he's doing his own thing. Yeah. Whereas Brian De Palma takes it right out of the Hitchcock book and says, "Okay, I'm going to do this, but I'm going to add split screen." Yeah. Right? yeah no. Yeah. 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 And and I'm going to do the things that Hitchcock wished he could have done with the blood and the violence and the sex. Yeah. It's uh, I do you think any any director has as legendary of a filmography as Hitchcock? I think there are maybe two directors, three directors I can think of that would come close. Okay. But well, but he, he, now here's that's it. Well, here, here's the thing with Hitchcock though. Outside of uh, Trouble with Harry, kind of genre specific, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, he created the genre, and and uh, it, you could say Psycho was a slasher film, maybe, right? I mean, but uh, yeah, um, to some extent. But he, he was kind of in a genre. Whereas you look at a guy like Francis Ford Coppola. Uh, he has done across all these different genres and everything he's touched is gold. Yeah. Right? I mean, he, he's just a phenomenal filmmaker. And Spielberg, too. I mean, yeah. he crosses all these uh, different genres and everything is... Fantastic. It, yeah, it, 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 maybe it takes him one or two tries uh, to get it there, but... Um, he eventually gets there, yeah, and it's it, amazing. Yeah, you look at films like Lincoln and Schindler's List and some of the greatest films... Saving Private Ryan. Yeah, save, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, it's, it's... So... They have a, a little bit of a broader from a genre standpoint, but as far as innovation, uh, technique, uh, film st- uh, t- uh, storytelling, I don't know that he surpassed. No, I, yeah. We, we haven't seen one. There's, there's nobody, um, maybe there's some that are out there working now that may be like that uh, at some point, but um, uh, to me, he's the best there's ever been. I would agree. Yeah. I think he's the greatest of all time. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think so. And here's and kind of the the weird thing uh, that um, there's a, a generation of people who um, Alfred Hitchcock might as well be Charlie Chaplin. Yeah. Just unknown, right? And, yeah. And um, <clears throat> because of the way that films are so effects laden and heavy today. That they, uh, I don't, I don't see think, think that they would mock or find humor in, in Hitchcock films, but a lot of that is lost on them. To me, I, I always think about it, it's, it's like punk rock, right? Yeah. Because um, where uh, you have to uh, go back and look at the masters and those who were the first and see how this thing has evolved to fully appreciate where you're at now. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Yeah. He's the best ever. Well, next time you and I will rank another director or another genre. We'll do another ranking. Or music. Or music. music, yeah. 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 We, we can we can do, we can do uh, history, but thank you for coming on Midbrow. Absolutely love it. I love to hear myself speak. So no Me problem. too. All right, until next time.